The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Vincent. I'm your host. Joining me to break down week seven of the NFL season, Sunday. Meh, meh, Sunday. I'm just kidding. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I like doing a little something different at the beginning. Joining me to break down week seven, Ryan Wilson, John Breach. Uh, two different outcomes for your favorite teams. And if you want to call me a Panthers homer, I'm not. By all means, good day to be a Panthers fan today. Unless you're Matt Rule. I the low no. point in my day right now is realizing that Breach and I were in the same CBS issue jacket. Other than that, I had a perfectly fine day. Well, the and low Breach, point just... in my day is realizing that I never got one. You that. pretend like we didn't plan to do this all week, Wilson. We literally text each other every day this week and said, let's wear the same shirt. And <laughs> now I, you're pretending like we didn't exchange those texts. I did that under the assumption that Kenny Pickett wasn't going to throw two terrible interceptions down the stretch, but that's on me. I, I did that weird intro, by the way, because there were... I, I thought you were taking were, hostage, and that was sort of a crash. No, 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 no. There were people in the comments like laughing about, like, they were like, oh, yeah, big we're going to hear the same intro. You should, you should do the same intro for a podcast, right? I just want to feel comfortable hearing my... Apparently, wouldn't call it comforting, but it's something I've come to expect. Well, I mean, if you could talk like Macho if like Man, the, if you like the podcast, presumably you don't hate our voice. Rach, what does the Macho Man intro sound like for the Pick Six podcast? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Pick Six podcast with Will Brinson. Yeah. I actually got like that. That is it. Well done, Britt. Um, I'm kidding, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding with the commenters. Uh, if you're watching, if you're if you're joining us, I was just messing around. I don't know what I was doing. If you're watching on YouTube, there's about 10 minutes left on Sunday, October 23rd. YouTube.com slash pick six. Hit the subscribe button. Smash the like button if you're watching. And turn on alerts so we get notified when we go live. And uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll like, you know, one day we'll do a cameo where John Breach talks to, like does wrestler interviews with a macho man voice. And I'll even wear the whole outfit. You want to restart the podcast and you do the intro? Uh, if, you're, wait, wait, if you're listening to the podcast, of course, Monday, October 24th, week seven is wrapped up. Let's just, you know what? Let's just dive in. We're not going to, we're going to, we're going to cut, we're going to cut through the small talk. And we'll start in Miami, Sunday Night Football, Dolphins 16, Steelers 10. The uh, Steelers actually covered the line closed at Dolphins minus seven. And, I mean, I think that I, I, my my take would be this, Wilson, and I'm curious what you think as a Steelers uh, homer. 
Um, well, actually, no. Like, I thought Tua. I thought Tua had. Yeah, like this is a good split, right? Looks great on the first drive. Really scripted. That's something that's like come out. You know, a lot of these Kyle Shanahan style offense, Matt Lafleur, um, all those guys. You know, it's, they script. They love to script. Um, was not fantastic the rest of the game, but was not terrible. The Steelers did a job, a pretty good job of adjusting defensively, and I thought that the Dolphins did not exploit the middle of the field the way they should have. Conversely, if I'm a Steelers fan, I would feel like. I, I would feel a moral victory of some kind that I think Kenny Pickett's got some juice. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be great, but I, I feel like he like you feel like you got something you can work with moving forward, even if some of the decisions he made were uh, forced. A little, it was rainy out there. He's got those tiny little baby hands, um, and he he under he shorted the, the final the final pick. Obviously, uh, one to Javon Holland uh, in in the in the red zone, I believe, after two bad penalties, and then the final one uh, to Noah Igbenogany. There you go. Uh, what, what, what's your kind of takeaway from this as a Steelers fan? No, it wasn't a moral victory because uh, they repeatedly and consistently plexico burst themselves time and time and time again. But that I mean, they shot themselves in the thigh while wearing sweatpants. Um, it is hard to explain how terrible the play calling is on the offensive side of the football. And every GD week, I'm talking about Matt Canada having a job for reasons that remain a, a one of life's great mysteries. And um, I tweeted this out prior to the last two drives that both ended interceptions. The Steelers had nine offensive drives up to that point. Um, and they ran on first down six times. Of those six, five ended up being three and outs. If Najee Harris has a list Frank injury on his foot that he suffered in training camp, and he just took the plate out of his shoe last week, why are you running the ball on first down every single drive and then acting surprised when it's a three and out? Now, to your point, Brinson, about Kenny Pickett, I thought there are there are glimpses. He's playing better than I thought he would. I, I, I've you know, said it repeatedly. I didn't love him. I think he was my quarterback four in last draft class, and um, I thought they were all second round or worse in terms of where they should have been taken. He went 20th. That's fine. If you like him and you can convince yourself that it can work, no issue with that. And I think there are opportunities for him to, to certainly have success. Uh, but you mentioned the last two um, interceptions, the penultimate drive. Breach, that means next to last. Word of the calendar, shout out to you. So they had third and one deep in uh, Miami territory. Then they get uh, the fourth and one, excuse me. I think they they were going to go for it on fourth and one, and there was an illegal shift penalty. No, third and one, sorry. Illegal shift penalty, which is unconscionable. Can't happen. Uh, The next play is third and six. They get a, uh, a rollout hold on the left tackle because Kenny Pickett leaves the pocket. If Kenny Pickett stays in the pocket where there was zero pressure, the left tackle doesn't hold anyone because he can't see Kenny Pickett coming to his side. And there was a crosser coming that he could have hit for a six-yard gain in the first down. Rookie mistake, I get it. But the next play ended up being the interception. The final drive breach, uh, they moved the ball well down the field uh, with no timeouts. I thought they were sort of overreacting. And by the way, I just want to go on record. I don't know if we've talked about this. I think spiking the ball to save – time on the clock is one of the most idiotic things you can do on planet earth. If you, if you get under center and just take an extra two beats, you can run a freaking play. There's no reason to spike the ball to go from 55 seconds or to have 52 seconds when you snap the ball and actually run a play. That's one of the things I hate. So anyway, they did that in that last drive. Uh, Seth Balder of uh, ESPN analytics called that. He's a crime against humanity. Um, oh, interesting. Good. I'm with him. I don't, I didn't know that Seth said that, but great. It's wasting downs that you yeah. so, 
terribly, it's so terribly important that point in the game to trade it down for three seconds. That is idiotic. Like that makes zero sense. That's unless there's like six seconds left. Unless there's six seconds left. And you're you're kicking the field goal to win the game. Absolutely. It it is an interesting idea that like there should be more coaches who like plan instead of planning a spike, like you're rushing to do a spike, just plan a hot route and you run. You have a guy run a quick route, and if it's if you, if you think he's got it, you take the shot. Everyone has to get set. Anyway. Throw the ball at his feet. Like you're getting set either way. Like you have to get set, take an extra two beats, and run a freaking play. Yeah. You're, you're snapping the ball, so just run the play. Don't throw it to the ground. That's absolutely. I, so I, I will say I don't I don't like hate it with a rookie quarterback who didn't have a ton of experience running. Twenty four. I don't care. I'm not making excuses for him. But let he's me just finish this. He's like thirty five. The last the last thing is um you know he made some good throws in the final drive and. In, in general, I'm fine with Kenny Pickett. This is a learning experience. They're not going to the Super Bowl, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, on that final throw, just run the ball. You had 20 yards in front of you. You could have gotten out of bounds. You'd have had 15, 20 seconds left, uh, probably inside the 10-yard line. You don't need to force that throw. Great catch by your Noah Igbenogany to get his feet down uh, to, to end the game. And the only other thing I'll say that I found hard to wrap my brain around, the Steelers dropped four interceptions. Yeah, that, that's the part that hurts for the Defense played great. Except for the part about the four drop interceptions, um, but that's the the Steelers side of it for me. Breach, if you want to talk about how awesome the Dolphins are, what, one, one, one uh, fun fact for you: Kenny Pickett has thrown. Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett has thrown seven interceptions in his first four career games. The only other rookie quarterback to throw five plus interceptions in their first four career games and play in at least four games. Do you know who it was? It wasn't Andy Dalton because those teams were actually good. It was not. It was the second best quarterback in Steelers franchise history. Terry Bradshaw. Oh. Went on to win four Super Bowls. So Kenny Pickett could go on to win four Super Bowls? That's according to NFL research. That's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that like, well, I guess guess, when I say moral victory too, and sorry not to steer away away from the Dolphins, but I just really quickly, like I I thought that like, I, I guess I'm not anticipating a whole lot from Pittsburgh this year. Like I mean, I, I mean, I know that they they got back and they were in the mix, sort of. But like, I, I don't feel like they were going to be a playoff team, given the given the landscape in the AFC. Although obviously that's changed; it's a little more a little more parity now than there was. But um, yeah, the two nightmare penalties there. You have what third and one, and you do the uh, the illegal, illegal shift, shift on third and one, with third and six. Then Kenny Pickett tries to run left, uh, like you know, dove dove diving for the first down. Would have been just short. They probably would have gone for it there. But My there point, playing. I just said, if he had stayed in the pocket on that play, there was no reason to leave the pocket if you watched the replay. There, the holding call is because he scrambled to the yeah, left and Dan Moore, the left tackle, didn't see him out there. You yeah. stay in the pocket, throw the, the crosser that's right in front of your face, first down. Uh, breach, any... Um, do we... Uh, what, what does this tell us about Miami? I'm, I'm not allowed to comment on the Dolphins. I will just say, if you're the Dolphins, I think you are happy with the win. Obviously, you have Tua coming off the concussion. As long as he didn't go out there and throw five interceptions, I think you're happy with how he performed. Sure, uh, you know, they uh, did all their production in the first quarter and then completely disappeared after that. But I think you're fine with that because you also saw a situation where the the Steelers were kind of thinking, hey, we're not going to let Tyreek Hill beat us. So you have Raheem Mostert go out there and have this huge game. And so if you're Mike McDaniel, who obviously has a history with Mostert, but you have, you just see what you can do with all these guys. I mean, it's really crazy how well Tua did uh, of spreading the ball around. I mean, Jalen Waddle had four catches. Tyreek Hill had seven catches. Mostert had four catches. And so uh, 
I thought Tua, considering the circumstances, looked good. I, I think that he's going to get better or, or look better the next time he's out there. And so I think if you're a Dolphins fan, you have to be thrilled with what you saw, even if Tua did throw four passes that probably should have been intercepted. And even if uh, Mike McDaniel probably should have kicked the field goal in the third quarter to go up 19 to 10 in a game where points were clearly at a premium and being up two scores were up, probably would have made this a wrap. Uh, but other than that, you know, I thought their defense played well and uh, they they need to win. You know, you're on a three game losing streak. All you got to do is win. And that's what they did here. Their defense played well with a lot of banged up guys in the secondary. I mean, they were guys that they pulled out of the stands to play towards the end of that game, and, and they made plays. Credit to them for that. Let me ask you this, Breach Ender Brinson. So, and, and BMAC mentioned this on the picks, uh, excuse me, on HQ, which was a good point. Because the first 12 minutes, I thought it was going to be 400 to nothing the way that offense came out there, and there were absolutely no answers for Tyreek and Jalen and even the running game. But after the scripted plays sort of ran out, there weren't very many answers by Mike McDaniel. Is that a concern? Is that something to be fixed? Is that on Tua? Uh, because the explosiveness level over the first 12 minutes was Mount Vesuvius, and the explosive level afterwards was was Steelers orchestrated by Matt Canada level depressing to watch. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. I need to make that a theme song. Yeah, I... I don't, I don't know if I'm too worried get, about uh, it. Let's get, that, let's get that drop from South Park uh, at some point, Billy. <laughs> That'd be a good one. We can get rid of some of these. <laughs> Hopefully till the bye week, which is two weeks away. What are you saying, Breach? I yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm too worried about that right now, but that obviously could be an issue if it continues to be a problem. Uh, but anytime you're scoring on your first three drives, you know, you're pretty thrilled with how things are going. They only punted once in the first half, so it's not like they slowed down too much after that in the first half and like the Steelers also adjusted like Mike Tomlin's a smart defensive guy he's not just going to let a team walk all over him unless it's the Buffalo Bills but for the most part you know he sees an issue and you I mean, say right. drive over 30 yards in the second half yeah and they didn't have I mean, a single you said Mike Thomas sees an issue. I, I swear at one point very late in the game, I saw Mike Thomas look up into the booth where Matt Canada sits and make I, a I face. Thought he was do, I thought he was doing that too. I think he was looking at the replay monitor because at first I was like going to say something. He looked, he was like, he like, he like made this like angry face. I Canada. think he was looking at the replay monitor, but he may have been looking at, uh, he may uh, have been looking at the booth. In my hopes and dreams. Hopes um, yeah. I, I think like, would you? I I don't know if this is a fair question or not. Actually, maybe we should. You know, we'll move on to. Let's move on. Uh, I have one final question for you guys: is, Are the Dolphins the second best team in the division? <laughs> uh, I think with Brees Hall going down with an what we think is an ACL injury, yes, probably. Breach. What about the Patriots? Mac Jones coming back. Uh, the Dolphins beat him in Week One. Yes, they did. But I'm yeah, I guess it's the Dolphins right now. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm adding. A, I'm writing this down. I'm trying to be. I'm writing down a topic for a show that we're going to add a show to the podcast feed. Oh we're going to look at some topics from the week, from the weekend that was, and sort of break them down a little bit deeper. Maybe like you know, examine them because we you know we don't want to spend 25. Like I don't want to ask you. I'm trying not to ask the question. I don't want to ask you the question I'm thinking of, and then all of a sudden we're 20 more minutes onto this onto this. Uh, all right, next game. What's next? All right, I'm going to add second best. Ooh, I'm going to drop break a glass thing. Um, that'd be bad. He's he's bless his heart, Breach. He's trying so hard. Brinson is teasing everyone too. No, 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 I, I think he has this question, but not asking. It's not just us, it's the listeners. Everyone wants to Are know you better question. subscribe to the podcast then, and then you can find out what it is. <sighs> um, oh my gosh, what was that? Uh, my voice got high for some reason. I don't know why. 
You guys, uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna, actually, we're gonna double box this. We're gonna go two games at once because I think they're very important. Pull the old Scott are, Hansen on us. I don't know if, what. Pull the Scott Hansen on us with the double right, box. Baby. So don't go Panthers, off the box. Panthers twenty-one, Bucks three. Washington artist formerly known as Washington Football Team twenty-three, Packers twenty-one. Who? Should be the most panicked between the 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 Green Bay Packers and the the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the I believe the uh, the losing record through first through his first seven weeks of the season for the first time since two thousand two. Tom Brady, his first full season as an NFL starting quarterback, and the only healthy season season of his career in which he did not make the playoffs. Obviously, two thousand and eight, he uh, suffered that. ACL injury in, in, in week one with Bernard Pollard and Matt Castle came in. They won 10 games and didn't make the playoffs. Dolphins with the, the division uh, in the AFC East. Um, Packers, zero third down conversions for the first time in the game since 1999. And I believe I saw that this is the worst uh, like cumulative record between Brady and Rodgers since Rodgers came in the league in like 08. So, Breach, I'm going to read you two quotes and then you can decide based on those quotes, which is worse, then I want to hear what your actual personal opinion is. So this is from Rick Stroud of uh, Tampa Times. He tweeted this out. Uh, Coach Todd Bowles said after the game that the Bucks are in, quote, a dark place right now. I love this quote. And they have to see if the older guys can still play and if the younger guys are good enough to play. So that's one. And the other quote is from uh, Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post. Uh, tweeted this out. She covers the, the commanders, obviously. Aaron Rodgers said Washington's defense, quote, didn't have to do a whole lot against the Packers. Quote, it was all too high safeties, some match zone, occasional drop down safety, but they didn't really have to do a whole lot. When asked about Washington's lack of blitzing, Aaron Rodgers said, I think you know what that tells you. So which quote Oof. is more concerning? And then you tell me what the breach opinion is on, on which team is terrible or. I think the Aaron Rodgers quote is much more concerning because that just sounds like he is throwing everyone under the bus except himself. Uh, and if you're on the coaching staff, if you're one of his teammates who is supposed to be catching passes from him, you do not want to see passive aggressive Rogers permanently <laughs> be out there. You know, we used to see him when they get blown out, which would happen once a season during their good years, but now they're losing games that they aren't supposed to be losing, which we haven't seen from the Packers in four or five years. And that's when passive aggressive Rogers shows up. And if he, <laughs> if you feel like he's going to throw the talent on the season, uh, you know, I don't think the Packers are there yet because they're three and four and they certainly could still make the playoffs, but we are inching to that point. And so, uh, yeah, the Packers concern level is, I think I said I was at nine and a half the last time we talked about it. I'm at like 9.9 now. I'm almost at the tipping point where you say, I don't know if this team's going to make the playoffs. And then with the Buccaneers, it's just, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but they're three and four. They're still in first place in their division. The Packers we lost are to the Panthers. But they're still in first place, so they can easily rebound. Okay. How? Okay, a couple couple things here. One, I, I agree with you that the Rodgers quotes are worse because at least that was Todd Bowles. Like, hey, we're in a dark place. Like, we're going to see who crumbles in the darkness. Like, sounds like a poor man's version of Bane. Uh, Rodgers, 18.3 points per game this year. That is the fewest in the seven-game span in his career. He's first time losing three straight games, all as a three-plus point favorite in his career. And has a losing record through seven games for the first time in his career as well. Uh, that was actually Tom Brady's worst loss as I think it's a uh, as a favorite of like seven points or more uh, in his career. The, the Bucs were the last team in the one o'clock window of games to score to score any, to any points. And they did it on a, a fourth and goal from the eight yard from, from the fourth and goal from the eight yard line. 
and they're down 14 nothing. and Todd Bowles kicked a field goal to cut it to 11 points, basically like just get some points on the board. And then later, as Breach and I talked about in, in Slack, uh, Todd Bowles was down 18 and went for it instead of kicking a field goal in an obvious spot where you cut it to two scores. I think both, I mean, I think both teams are extremely concerning, obviously. I want to give Wilson credit because, and it may not even work out for you because they might win the division, but you said the Bucs were going to stink this year and like they're worse than you expected. They're way worse. And here's the thing. I'll be honest. I was thinking about this earlier. It's just a, ca- a case of like, eventually the luck has to run out on Tom Brady. And, you know, I've been saying for the last 10 years, okay, maybe this is the year that Tom Brady turns into a pumpkin and it hasn't happened. I just wonder with all the off-field issues going on and the time away and the issues with his family and and the concerns with going to Miami and all that nonsense and buying a football team and the fact that he's 45 years old. Uh, Bruce Arians, he presumably, allegedly ran out of town. Just It starts to accumulate. Uh, a couple things. You mentioned about that team being the last team to score in the 1 o'clock window. Uh, the very first drive of the game, Tom Brady hit Mike Evans in the hands on a bomb. It looked like Mike Evans was trying to punt the ball into the end zone, uh, and they didn't score. That was 13 minutes ago in the first quarter. They didn't score again until, as you mentioned, late. And here's why I'm concerned more, Breach, about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than I am the Green Bay Packers. Um, after the game, Chuba Hubbard was running all through that supposedly very good. Forward. They, they, were, they, were, they were averaging eight yards per carry late in the third quarter. Through a, a Bucks defense that was supposed to be good against the run. But here's what made me chuckle. Schefter tweeted this out afterwards. Uh, Chuba Hubbard did not finish today's 21-3 win over Tampa Bay due to, quote, a minor sprain of his ankle. But this is why Tampa Bay is in deep doo-doo. But, Schefter continues, he could have come back if needed. If needed against a Buccaneers team that they were beating the doo-doo out of 21-3. Chuba Hubbard's like, you know what? We just fired a coach last week. I'm good. P.J. Walker can handle this. They don't need me. That tells me everything you need to know. Both teams are in bad shape. I give Tampa Bay the slight edge in terms of badness. I give uh, the Bucks the slight edge just because of the division. I think, the, and and as we pointed out last week, and so we're going to keep pointing this out, and even though it keeps, you know, like the Packers' problem is they don't have anybody who's can step up and make plays. At least, like I mean, if Mike Evans catches that first ball, that game's over. Which, by the way, would have been a 64-yard touchdown. It would have been a walk-in touchdown. There was no one within 10 yards of him. It was in his hands. It was You don't see NFL players. This is like what you see D- Division II college players drop. You rarely Which, see NFL players with this type of drop. It was, per next-gen stats, it was the worst drop of, uh, of over 30 air yards on the entire season. Yikes. Like, hey. but based on the separation and, like, where the ball is located, like, it was. it's almost impossible for a guy of Mike. Like, Mike Evans is... I guess he'd put him in the Hall of Fame or anything. Wilson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let I mean, me, uh, I, I, I'm going to ask this question a lot, and I know people are going to hate it. I don't care. So, you mentioned, Brinson, how well Chuba and Dante Foreman did. Um, what do they make compared to Christian McCaffrey? Uh, or they make roughly the equivalent of like one Christian Mc, one one of the one Instagram post from Christian McCaffrey's girlfriend. Come on. Right. So, my point is. And look, again, we talked about last week. Breach and I agreed. I think you were a little less bullish. But if you get to the Super Bowl as the 49ers, it's worth it. But anything less than that, it feels like you kind of come up short. So I, every time I see these running backs having success on the cheap, I'm like, oh, okay. Raheem Mostert's another example. One year, $1.75 million, de- uh, million dollar deal. He was running all over the Steelers. Um, and he's also, you know, he's a he's a burner on that, not playing with the Dolphins. But anyway. Uh, people, just uh, there are a couple of comments that are like, Yes, Tampa Bay could have still lost the game. Of course. I, I just think that was the opening drive. Mike Evans is wide open on the back end. 
this team is reeling the, the Panthers are after Panthers retiring are, the coach. Yeah, like uh, my parents ended up not going to the game. My, my brother got sick, so we couldn't watch the dogs. So Thank, they, you, they, thank they, you, Charlie, like, for that. Yeah, no. but I mean, it ended up being like a thing where I, I don't think there were a bunch of people there. I mean, you know, people are excited about it. Um, and, and Carolina's not good. You know, like credit, credit to Steve Wilkes. There was an interesting report um, on Sunday morning that the Panthers turned down two first round picks for Brian Burns from Adam Schefter. Now, I I would never want to question. Lord knows the last time I questioned anything, it was got screamed at by Dolphins fans and beat reporters. And I'm not trying to question Adam Schefter's report here. I would just be curious to know what team was trying to give up two first-round picks. Well, our Jonathan Jones talked about this in NFL today. He said they were going to be bottom of the first-round type picks. It wasn't going to be, you know, not top 15 picks. Talking about 26 yeah, to 32. It's going to be a team like that. that needs pass rush help. Like, a, I mean, the Ravens would make sense. I did Bill Barn will show we did some fake trades. The Ravens would make sense. But I mean, like, I, I guess, I guess my point is like. If the Panthers could get two first-round picks for a guy who is they can't come to terms with on a contract, and he's a great young player, 24 years old, has a year left on his um, – he has his fifth-year option next year, and then they can franchise tag him. So they got team control. But two first-round picks, man, for, for a team that's trying to really rebuild, it, it would be – in yeah, like uh, uh, Scott Murphy in the chat says maybe it could be the Chiefs. That's definitely a possibility. I guess the Bills, because they have those connections with Carolina, but they have a lot of Good best. Lord, how, many first, how many pass rushers do they need in Buffalo? I mean, Brian Burns is a, a foundational piece to your defense if you if you get him under contract. Yeah, they have Greg Rousseau. They have Boogie Basham. They have Von Miller. I, my, my point being is that um, if, you, if you read the story on ESPN.com, it says Burns, 24, is expected to land a massive extension this offseason when the market and pass rushers are set to explode with more big deals coming from players like Burns, Nick Bosa, Bradley Chubb, and others. It was sort of like setting it up where it's like, you will be getting a deal. I don't know. I just, I, I just think that I, I think it's crazy that the Panthers would consider not doing that. Um, yeah. yeah not, anyway, back to the point. Um, sounds can, crazy. Can Carolina can't win this division, right? No. <laughs> PJ Walker, great for him. I'm glad he played well. He, he made some fantastic throws at DJ Moore. Um, That's a great. The, the, the Tommy Trimble touchdown was a, a fantastic throw. And good for him. He's, would, he's you, would you start? Uh, would you start Sam Darnold if he's healthy or PJ? No. Why? I, I, I'm just asking. I sound, like, I sound like you with my voice there. Look at, look at this guy. Tom Brady looks like he's been kidnapped. Looks like a skeleton for Halloween. What's going you on? You know, you say no, they can't win the division, and I, I don't want to be completely crazy, but you know who has the best record, division record in that division right now? Who? The Panthers? Carolina Panthers. Two and zero in the division. Would you They're, be willing to bet one hundred dollars of your own money that they'll win the division? I would bet ten dollars okay. of my own. What are the odds right now? Yeah, oh, I would no. think I should think I could have looked up before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got it right here. Actually, I was primed to ask you that question. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are oh, boy. I don't know about that. Minus two seventy to win the division. What? Hard pass on that. Falcons are plus three twenty five now. I like that. I, Panthers are twenty to Panthers are twenty to one. I, I, I would put ten dollars. I'll do it. I would the, put fifty bucks on that. I'll put some money on. Oh, it. Oh, fifty bucks. Look at money bags, Brentson. I, mean, I mean, that's a thousand bucks back, right? And then if he, if you win that, you can donate it to the Jets money charity. That's right. Uh, which unfortunately now we've been told by our higher ups that Billy has to Billy and I have to match Brady <laughs> Quinn's donation. We'll get that in no. <laughs> um, Thank you, Billy. I mean, look, the Panthers aren't winning the division. They're, they're probably still in try-hard mode. They, remember, they're on the road trip to the Rams and then come back, and now they're um, – now. I, but they would probably be the team I would bet if I was betting those odds because I don't want the Falcons at 3-1. to one. Saints at 13-1 to one is, I guess, kind of intriguing. But, I mean, Panthers, I mean, 
Somebody's Preach gonna win the division. Preach like, was just talking up Andy Dalton a couple one, days ago. Uh, the Saints can win the division. It's not crazy. Of course they can. Anybody can win this division. It's a terrible division. Uh, the odds in the NFC North. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What do you think the Vikings are? Plus one twenty five. Minus minus seven hundred. That is exactly correct. Oh, is it? minus seven hundred. Minus seven hundred. What do you think the Packers are? Plus three hundred. Plus five hundred. Oh. I think one of the Packers is not a bad bet. Yeah, it is. Have you seen the Packers play a single game this season? You're throwing your money away. They scored one touchdown until late. They don't look good. The offense is in. It looks like it's in. Here, let me ask you this question because I I was thinking the exact same thing for both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. What is magically? This is my hand sign for magical. What is magically going to change for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady that's going to fix things? Because these guys, they're not washed. I don't think. But if you put them on the Chiefs, it's a huge drop down from Patrick Mahomes, which is something we wouldn't have said prior to this year. So what I, I think, has to change? I, I think the Bucks have to the offensive line, sort of like a the offensive line has to kind of come together. And for the Packers, they have to make a trade for a wide receiver at this point, or somebody has to just uh, quickly develop. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, the two biggest problems with these teams coming into the season, we're like, all right, you know, like you know, Ali Marpet retiring, you got all these people getting hurt. Tom Brady, you see the Ryan Jensen's out, um, and then with the Packers, it's like. They got a bunch of rookie wide receivers and Randall Cobb, and we don't really know what they're going to have. And the offense just isn't working. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Green Bay, who currently sits at three and four, um, and what's their bye week? Okay, they're going to London next weekend. They took a bye week. Are they in, are they in Germany? London? Where are they going? No, the the Buccaneers are in London in November, but that's not next week. Oh, the Packers are the Packers are on Sunday Night Football, Sorry. and the Packers just went to London. That's right. right that's right. Who's going to somebody else is going to London? Jacksonville and Denver. Denver, that's right. It was Russell. Yeah. Um, so maybe the Packers are at the Bills on Sunday night next week. They're 10 and a half point underdogs against Buffalo. Nobody here, Aaron Rodgers has never been a double digit underdog in his career. That's, no, that's crazy. Let me ask and you one more question. They're, 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 gonna, they're at the Lions, Cowboys at home, Titans at home on a short week, 10 day break at Eagles, and then at Bears. Mm. So I don't know how closely you guys are following the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo situation at Man U. Never heard of him. Um, he's so he's he's 37. He's angry that he's not playing now. He doesn't even he doesn't start, and they don't bring him on late usually. And he left the field early. He pulled a Randy Moss and left the field early. They suspended him for a few games. And his entire career, he's been one of the best, one of the two best players on the okay, planet. I know he is. He's great. No, I'm just giving you the backstory recently of man uh, of what's going on with him at Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, at what point during the season, if at all, do you say, all right, let's see what we have in Jordan Love and or Kyle Trask, or do you not do that? You just ride it out you and lose every game 43-3? to three? Dude, the Giants did that with a wash of Eli Manning and Geno Smith, and they got Ben McAdoo fired. If you do that with Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you are fired. I think it's safe to say, though, that both these guys are probably done after this year, right? You can't bench Tom Brady. Rodgers is not That's done. not Tom. even an option. Okay, I'm just asking. I feel like Tom might be like, look, I'm going to get through this offseason, knock out this like personal stuff, and then I'm going to come back pissed off, and I'm going to keep playing because I got nothing. But else. not for the Buccaneers. Not playing right. with the Buccaneers. He's going somewhere That's else. That's the other right. thing. That, why can't you bench Tom Brady if he didn't want to be with you anyway? You can't bench Tom Brady. You can't bench Tom Brady. You guys didn't say you could bench Aaron Rodgers. Can you bench Aaron Rodgers? You can't bench Aaron Rodgers. I, it's different because Jordan loves there. Dude, Aaron, people keep talking about Aaron. They're like, let's trade Aaron Rodgers. You know, we're going to add this to the deep dive list. Trade him to the Argonauts. Rodgers trade and why it won't work. I'm just asking. I mean, I don't think I would do it either, but if you if you're I wonder if it would get to the point where they would be like, I'm tired of losing every game by two touchdowns and we score eight points. 
I, I don't mind taking off December. <laughs> but, but I think it's a chance too, where you, you, if you like hypothetically, you make this crazy move and just like Russell Wilson, not playing today, you know, it's like uh, a magical hamstring injury. Pops yeah, I mean, the Brett Rippon, you're like, ah, oh, we just we scored nine points in the jets. Um, all right. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about maybe that game, but maybe the other New York team that's suddenly six and one what? next. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24/7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The New York football giants, and they're, and I, I don't mean this in an insulting way. It's going to come across like, like that probably if you're a Giants fan, but whatever. Um, they're magic beans. <laughs> Brian Table sprinkled his magic beans on, on a, another game, and they moved to 6-1 and one with a victory, a 23-17 victory over the Jaguars. Uh, I got to tell you. What? Hmm. Do you know what this really reminds me of? And this is, the, this is a good thing. Hair plugs? Do you remember that first season with Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman when Sean McDermott was in Buffalo? Oh my God. And they just was... kept winning these games. It was like, well, this team's not good. How are they? They just keep finding ways to win. And they got to the playoffs and it was like, they're going to get roasted in the playoffs. But, but the, but the, the reason that it's the magic beans thing is not an insult is that you knew you had a good coach in Sean McDermott with the way that he was coaching up a, a team that had no business getting to the playoffs. The Giants probably have no business getting the playoffs, but they're six and one, and they just they just find ways to win. I think that's really important when you start evaluating a coach. This is a guy that knows how to get the most out of his team, doesn't make huge mistakes, and and and, and just has like like the team just kind of like he he he's raising the the level of this team. I, I think they're good. I don't think they're great. They have players on both sides, like Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, who uh, reportedly has a torn or no, sorry an MCL injury. Um, you know, he like that, that would be a pretty big blow, but this team looks like it's like they're doing the right thing and moving in the right direction. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm, I don't care how the season turns out as long as you know, there are no major injuries. You feel like this is a, like a, a huge step in the right direction. Yes. Evan Neal left in the second quarter and Tyree Phillips came in and, and they, I don't say they didn't miss a beat, but it, it was, it, they, they still continue to play well. I think a lot of this, uh, the success falls on, on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones rushed for 100 yards. The last time he rushed for 100 yards was against UNC. Um, Did he have 100 yards against Tampa Bay that first game he came in? Did he rush for 100 yards in that game? I remember the UNC game because he had like two – it was only two carries. And then Saquon awesome. had 110, and, and Saquon was was a game changer. Now, Saquon made some mistakes late in the game where he kept not going out of bounds yeah. accidentally. But this team continues to find ways to win football games. I think they've been – down in every single game and obviously they've come back in six of them and that's not necessarily a long-term recipe for winning but they're finding ways to win games while they figure it out with a new coach and i think that's the point and you know you can talk all you want about players make the team on some level the coach does because joe judge is the exact antithesis of of, of what brian dables brought to the team 
And, you know, Joe Judge might be good at being a, a coordinator, but he wasn't great as a head coach the first time around. Brian Dable has embraced it, and he – we talk about it every week, Breach. He's given up play-calling duty so he can manage the, the, the team, and he's doing it in a wildly successful way, even though some might call it also unconventional, given that they always have to come back. And you I, wonder I why the uh, 2018, uh, excuse me, 2017 Buffalo Bills started five and two with, uh, I think, four one score wins or four one score games. So, so you know, what I'm saying like similar kind of like if you're if you're a coach who's raising the floor breach of your team and finding ways to win, I think that really bodes well for you long term. Well, yeah. And you would think that other coaches would look in the mirror and do some self reflecting. Uh, I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury, Nathaniel Hackett, and say, hey, look. Look at this guy in New York who came out and said, this is why you shouldn't call plays. His team is highly successful in his first year. Here am I doing it my own way. It's not working. So why don't I try something new? That's at least what I would think about is that, hey, maybe I should copy Brian Dayball. And so it's been fantastic what he's done because he's basically, hey, I'm going to let Kafka do all this. And, uh, you know, I have final say. I can look at the offensive game plan. I can put my stamp of approval on it but I trust this guy to make the right calls in the right situations. And, and, and a first year and a first year play caller too. First right. time ever. Mike Kaffee, it, play, it's play. really crazy when these things happen because this was the exact same team, mostly the exact same team that went four and 13 last year. It is. That is how big of a deal coaching is in the yep. NFL. So it's mind boggling that Joe judge or Jason Garrett or Freddie kitchens or whoever uh, <laughs> had all the power in New York last year, just, was so mismanaging it that they were that bad. And so, like you guys have said, this team has way overachieved. Uh, and yeah, sure, they might lose in the wild card round or divisional round. But when you've been this bad for this long, you're just happy to get to the playoffs. And when you have a coach who is this good in place, you're thinking, all right, you know, as long as we make the playoffs this year, we're probably going to make it a lot of a few more times uh, as long as we keep this coach. So, yeah, the Giants have been. Amazing, and this uh, great point by uh, Nick Adel in the chat. The Giants could definitely win a playoff game and get the NFC South champions. Like, like if they're the wild card and they get the uh... that's what everyone's so, gonna want. Here's something that's interesting. I thought Trevor Lawrence didn't play well in this game. I thought he missed a lot of passes high, and then he made some terrible mistakes down the stretch. But if you look at the advanced metrics, our buddies, football outsiders, coming into this week, the Jaguars are two and four. Now they're two and five. They ranked eighth among all football teams in terms of DVOA value per play. Uh, the record obviously didn't reflect that, but what does Bill Parcells say, Breach? You are what your record says you are. And now they're two and five. But is there any room for optimism, given the fact that on a per-play basis, basis, they're better than 25 other football teams? Or it's a situation where Trevor Lawrence has to start playing better? Because I think it's fair to question where Trevor Lawrence is in his journey. Eh, I, I mean, it's, if you want to. I know you've been, you've been doing it for all year, and I don't expect you to stop. Like, that's... You know, pound the table all you want. Um, I, I pound the table for? You just, you, I don't. I mean, I think look, a lot of people are out on Trevor Lawrence. I would just say this on Trevor. Like, I'm not out on him. I'm just I, I, I think that 2021 is a red shirt year for Trevor Lawrence because of the Urban Meyer debacle. To me, like, I, I, I think this is essentially like his rookie year. He took it. He took a bunch of loans. I, I think he's looked a lot better. Does he look great? No, but he's getting real coaching for the first time since college. Um, by the way, the Jaguars before this game, two and four. And their uh, expected win loss was three point seven to two point three, so it's it's a team that's kind of you know, I think Doug Peterson said after the game we're 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 learning good lessons the hard way. All five of their losses are by one score. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I this 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 Jaguar team feels different to me than previous Jaguar. Oh God, hundred percent. I'm just asking, right. should they have any to use your phrase, moral victory feelings over the fact that they're two and four? I, now I, thought, two and I, thought, Lawrence was, I thought Lawrence was pretty good in this game. This I don't know about that. Brief, let me ask you this: What are you doing with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley if you're the Giants? Uh, well, I think that the franchise tag probably makes the most sense for Daniel Jones because it's one of those things where like, well, then you get, what do you do with Saquon? Well, then uh, I I don't know if I want to tie myself to Daniel Jones for five years, but I absolutely think he deserves, I want to keep him if I'm, unless there's some other quarterback out there that I maybe think I can upgrade. But I think for right now, you've got to, I don't know. I'd have to see the list of free agent quarterbacks. I, I know we're trying not to do this, um, but Arnwell didn't know the answer to this either when I asked him. And I think, I think the answer is yes. Um, can yes, you, what? Can you use a franchise tag and a transition tag in the same offseason? Yeah, of course. But you're, you're going to – the Steelers did that a lot way back in the day, and I think the rules were the same in terms of those two things. But you can get screwed with the transition tag. Sure. That's that's a problem. Well, they took the poison pill stuff out, so you can't do that necessarily anymore. I was saying you could put the you could put the franchise tag on one – because we talked about that with the Titans when Derrick Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill were both going to be free agents. You put the transition tag on Barkley – and the franchise tag on Daniel Jones. I know the franchise tag number is more for a quarterback, but no one's going to like come and try to poach your run. I'm back. signing Daniel Jones to a four-year deal and franchising Saquon. I mean, Breach, you, you hesitated because kind of you're you giving Daniel Jones. It's going to have to be 30 or whatever whatever the going rate is. I mean, if he takes an Andy Dalton deal, then that's fine. Andy Dalton is second contract with the Bengals I'm talking about. That's fine. But Breach, is, you know, Breach doesn't have the list in front of him, but nothing popped into his head immediately. And I'm telling you guys, man, this is what's going to – the NFL is a copycat league. People are going to say, you know what? Eugene Cyril Smith III is balling out, and maybe he, the situation wasn't right for him. Brian Dable did what he did with Josh Allen. He's done this with Daniel Jones. Let's pay him $29, $30 million a year, franchise Saquon, and keep the band going for another year. That's oh, God! Disrespectful to Toby, but whatever. I, I What's interesting, I, I think, about the giant situation with these two guys that probably doesn't get enough importance placed on it now, and and maybe I may be off here because we do have a new regime um, and Joe Shane and Brian Dable, and I do think that they have the trust of ownership. But that ownership group loves Saquon, and they love Daniel Jones, like just as people and as and they're good players too. Or they they've have, you know high draft picks have, have shown flashes. But oh, you're right, Daniel Jones. That was his first career hundred yard rushing game. I think that the, the thing with Daniel Jones is I think the Giants could go to him and say, "Listen, man, we we are we are actually pleasantly surprised with what you did this year." Would you like? We want to do like a two-year bridge deal. Why? Why would it be in his best? He will get paid on the free agent market. Yeah, every quarterback does. Right. So he would just be. I mean, he went to Duke. He's not an idiot. Yeah, anybody can get to Duke. Anybody can get to Duke, except for breach. All right. If they offered, <laughs> I could get to Duke. If they offered him, I don't know what. The, what do you offer him? Thirty-five. I don't, I don't, 35 million. That's the going rate. That's the market. Rate. Oh, it's not even 30, 30. It's, it's 5 million more than that. Yeah. You got to pay him. That's the deal. I, I think, I think you tag him. And then if he makes you pay, if he makes you give him 50, he makes you give him no, 50, I, you live with the results. <laughs> no, I think because if you do it two years, you've already, you just wasted time. Just sign him, And then you can franchise sick one. If you want to, I, I think I actually would say franchise. I think the going rate for court, excuse me, running backs last year was nine and a half million for the franchise. I'd pay nine and a half million for Saquon next year. Closer to 10. That's fine. Is there a running back? On, who's on the tag this year? Anybody? 
I just looked it up. I have the contract. Oh, yeah, you looked it. Okay, yeah. Just the uh, what it was for last year was nine nine and a half. Something, not something too prohibitive. No, not ideal, but not too prohibitive. Right, um, but you're not tied to them long term, and then right. go from there. Yeah, um, it's it, it's it's a fascinating situation though because they weren't supposed to be good. We all thought that the Giants wanted to move away from Daniel Jones, and now it's like, well, well, well we right. said this is going to be it. He'll hopefully. To use your magic beans analogy, Brian Dable brought the magic quarterback beans, and he did. Yep. All right. I don't know why I was getting blown up by our boy Colin Bear about the freaking Bengals lighting up the Falcons. Like, I'm some Joe Burrow hater. I love Joe Burrow. Do you? I, I love Joe. I think Joe Burrow's awesome. I just, we just like to make fun of the Bengals because because Breach's entire family is like, like basically. Which one of us has a Joe Cool Snoopy tattoo, though? That's the yeah. question. Well, we were all joking about like, what if that tattoo derailed the franchise again, et cetera, et cetera. Thirty-five, seventeen. Joe Burrow had, uh, I actually didn't add it back up. Oh, crap, I left my notes out. In the, uh, thing. I think it was like one hundred ninety-five passing yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter, and then I think he had like three hundred seventy passing yards in the in the first half. Um, Can I read you? Got a little dinged up before the half. Uh, in terms of perfect passer rating. By a Bengals quarterback in the first half since 1991. It's only been done four times. Twice by Joe Burrow, once this year, once last year against the Ravens. Andy Dalton in 2018 and Carson Palmer in 2020. I'm in five attempts. Breach. What did uh, what did you think about your Cincinnati Bengals and how they looked against the Falcons? By the way, the Falcons were down 21 nothing in the first quarter, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Mari- Marcus Mariota attempted 13 passing attempts, 13 passes. How? <laughs> 21 nothing after the first play of the second quarter when Joe Burrow threw a 32-yard touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, which was one of three touchdown passes that went for more than 30 yards. And you know what? Look, the Bengals have kind of flown under the radar because they started the season 0-2, and usually when you're the defending AFC champion, you have this giant target on your back. Everybody wants to destroy you, but that target, that went to Buffalo, went to Kansas City. So the Bengals just kind of mosey down the street And it was only a matter of time. Look, T. Higgins had been battling an ankle injury. The offensive line, all you sign all these free agents. These guys don't just magically gel together. There's going to be you're building chemistry, and there's going to be eventually a point in the season where it looks like they finally got it all together. And that was this game. I mean, Joe Burrow couldn't miss. Uh, You have Jamar Chase going for over 130 yards. Tyler Boyd going for over 150 yards. T. Higgins. Uh, almost getting 100 yards. They almost had three receivers with 100 yards. And so when Joe Burrow's on his A game, the Bengals are almost unbeatable. And he was on his A game here. I mean, when he's, they've, we've talked about multiple times that the Bengals have probably the top receiving trio in the NFL. And if all of those guys are healthy, that this offense is very difficult to stop. And, you know, People say, oh, it's just the Falcons. But this is a Falcons team that has been in every single game they've played. They've beaten the Seahawks. They've beaten the Browns. Only one team absolutely destroyed them, and that was the Bengals. And so, uh, you know, the other thing that people forget is that I don't think the Bengals have given up a third-quarter point yet this season. So, like, the defense has been so good, especially in the second half where they haven't given up a touchdown in the second half of any game. Uh, and, and that part kind of gets slept on because the offense kind of gets all the headlines. But, man, the Bengals looked good. And if this is what they're going to look like the rest of the season, then uh, they feel like a top three team in the AFC in the same breath as Kansas City and Buffalo. I was going to say, then you're going to set yourself up for another trip to the Super Bowl and be 
I don't want to jinx. I don't want to jinx it based on one game, but maybe. I don't know. Well, listen to this. Hey, you, you're not wrong about anything you just said, Breach. But here's some some fun facts for you. So the first four Bengals drives in the first half all ended in touchdowns and all were at least 70 yards. The first was 84, then 71, 75, 84. I mean, that's just complete and utter domination. Um, William McFadden of the Falcoholic t- tweeted this out after the game. Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd each by themselves had more receiving yards than the Falcons had total passing yards. Atlanta trail from his opening offensive possession. Um, That's not great. And our buddy Paul Daner, who writes for the athletic tweeted this out. And this is actually, you can't even wrap your brain around it. Joe Burrow, the last two weeks, 62 of 79 for eight twenty six, eight total TDs, no turnovers, 79% completion, 9.9 yards per attempt, 3.61 points per drive. I mean, that is some crazy town Madden-like numbers. And um, I'll just say this. Joe Burrow? Ask the question about the coach. Joe Burrow? Poor man's Kenny Pickett. That's all I'm going to say. I'll get out of town. Ask him the question about the coach. Where are you on Zach Taylor? Good coach or not? Same spot I am every week. (laughs) He does at least two things a game that boggle my mind. Uh, then he also looks amazing at times. And so I just sit on the fence and I straddle it thinking one day I'm going to make a decision whether I think he's a good coach or a bad coach, but we have still not reached that day. You don't need to, you're not, you're not there yet. Let me ask you this. So the Falcons team, um, they've exceeded expectations. I think And last year, we used to joke all the time about how they won seven games by a total of seven points. This team feels better. Um, but like, what are the expectations for the rest of the way? They're three and four and you know, you saw firsthand the offense. You mentioned the eight for 13 for Marcus Mariota for 124. At any point, are you thinking about going to Desmond Ritter, the third round pick, the rookie, or are you just going to ride this out with Marcus? Because I think you want to get an idea, especially if you're going to have a draft pick, uh, top 15 ish, where a quarterback might be uh, available to you. I don't think I'm looking toward Ritter anytime in the near future. Maybe. By the time they get to their bye, they, I think they have one of the last buys uh, in week 14. So maybe by the time you get there, if you are eliminated, you let him start the final four games of the season. But look, Marcus Mariota has led them to three wins. They beat the 49ers, who are a decent team. They beat the Seahawks, who are first place in the NFC West. And you know what else? The Atlanta Falcons are tied for first in the NFC South. And they play the Carolina Panthers in two of the next three weeks twice in the next three weeks and you win both those games and you're probably still in first place. So I think you would ride you, the Mario. Zach, uh, Zach Taylor for Arthur Smith. What's, what's the difference? One's better looking than the other. The other is the same person. I won't say who's the better looking one. No, the, 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 the lack of passing with the Falcons is terrifying. Oh, <laughs> uh, by the way, I hope, um, but it's been working now. It's now this doesn't. Yeah, sure. Now this doesn't mean it's going to win. But if everybody listened and grabbed that 60 to 1 Jamar Chase, Offensive Player of the Year, Rager. I'm not going to ask about Panay Hill this week either. Jamar Chase is so good. How scared were you when he hobbled off the field breach? Uh, scared. That's, you know, <laughs> like all three of these guys have to be healthy Boyd, Higgins, and, and Chase for the offense to really work. And, and if you take Chase out, but then. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. I'll just say this quickly. I, I would say, like, I, I do agree that Arthur Smith is a, is a good coach and a better coach than Zach Taylor. Like, I, I'm, I'm confident Arthur Smith is a good coach. I, w- I would just be a little worried that if Arthur Smith was coaching the Bengals, would he crank up? Like, would he let Burrow be Burrow? Because I, I, I think 
again, this goes back to the Taylor thing. It's like, it feels like Joe Burrow is just going to bail out. Like, it doesn't matter who his coach is. Like, I don't think there's a coach who's going to cause Joe Burrow to. Matt Canada would like you to introduce himself to, to introduce yourself to him. I mean, Joe Burrow just like punch him and stuff him in the locker or something. I, I will say this just in reference to Jamar Chase and just a wider um, sort of remark on, on the NFL. Please, because all the injuries on, on Sunday, please, for love of God, get rid of these stupid-ass artificial turf fields. Yeah, Guys are blowing out ACLs for no GD reason other than cheap-ass owners are trying to save a few bucks on artificial turf. Put grass in there. The investments are the players, not the friggin' money you're saving on paying for the, the grass seed, my man. Annoying. Thank you, Comrade Wilson. Um, uh, yes. By the way, on the Arthur Smith thing, too, uh, somebody noted like he's working around his QB. Um, yeah, for sure. Like he was under the impression Matt Ryan would be his quarterback. And not that Matt Ryan's been great, but that's a whole different style of offense than Marcus Mariota. And so I think credit to Arthur Smith for creating a functional offense that keeps them in. Dude, they're, 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 and they lost Cordero Patterson. So it's lost, you know, like they lost a key player from that offense that Smith designed, and they're still kind of humming along. I, I think, I mean, look, coming into this year, given the roster that the Falcons have, I mean, I said it was one of the two worst rosters in football, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I, I do think that they are, despite being absolutely torched in this game, like they're they're way better than I thought they would be. Yeah, that's what I said while you were going to number two. I said that. I will say real quick about the Bengals is that last season, uh, right around this time, I think it was week six or seven. They beat the Lions 34 to 11. And the Lions were kind of last year's Lions were kind of like this year's Falcons. They're kind of plucky and they stuck around and they were getting, they were almost beating teams. And then the the Bengals blew them out. And that's kind of what happened this year with the Falcons, plucky, sticking around, winning games. And then the Bengals blew them out. And this is the game where it does feel like, yes, this team could be. As good, if not better, than last year. By, by the way, the, the the Lions didn't win their first game till uh, week thirteen, but right, they were score. they were in every game. Yeah, they they were plucky. Are, are you saying that this is like the launching pad for the Bengals? Like sort of. I am saying that other teams could not blow th- this team out, and the Bengals did, and it gives me the feeling that this team could be as good or better than last year's team. Yeah, they're well, better, I mean, we gave, of course, the Bengals naturally lost to the Jets. They did. <sighs> I think this team is better than last year's team. I think right, the offensive line is awesome. Better. All right, let's move on. You don't want to talk about the Bengals anymore? I thought we were going to do the rest of the podcast on the Bengals. Chiefs 44, 49ers 23. It feels like it, that's a not a misleading score, but like it was closer than that, right? It was until Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes pulled to Joe Burrow. That's, that's what happened. I mean, it was close. Uh, uh, some miscues by the 49ers fumble on a kickoff or whatever, the interception, and they just they just opened up the floodgates and said, here's the thing. Here's how good the Chiefs are. At no point during this game did I think, oh, last week they they lost to the Bills. I It felt like that happened two years ago. Like, this team is so incredibly good, and I think Patrick Mahomes is basically saying through his actions, yeah, you can think that I'm not as good as Josh Allen, but just just get comfortable because I'm about to put some can of whoop ass on these First guys. time since Patrick Mahomes took over starter that the Chiefs had two 100-yard receivers, and neither one of them was Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster both over 100 yards in this game, and Michael Hardman. This stat kind of blew my mind. He is the first wide receiver in the Super Bowl era with two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown in a single game. That's three touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, yeah I just... Here's a fun fact brought to you by the uh, the Fox Telecast. Um, 
The Chiefs through seven weeks have more explosive plays than they did through seven weeks last year with Tyreek. Saw that. So uh, this Chiefs team is this Chiefs this Chiefs offense is great. It's fine. It's a definite like collective f you to anyone who suggests that losing Tyreek Hill would cause them to uh, crater offensively. So I don't think it was a crater, but there was a, certainly some concerns about how the offense would look. I mean, they were plus one sixty to win the division. Yeah, but that's just I don't know what that. That also had to do with the thought that the Chargers would be better than they are. Yeah, well, some go. I mean, some people are idiots, and some people said that was the best bet of the preseason. They're minus four thirty right now. Chargers are four to one. Raiders eighteen, and the Broncos fifty to one to win the division. Oh God! Something else that I that I wrote down during the course of this game it, it, no point when they were down 10 nothing, did you see a please calm the F down sort of conversation between a worried quarterback and, and a head coach. And not that that would ever happen between um, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, but it just juxtaposed what we saw on Thursday night with a team that was down 10 nothing and didn't look good. Patrick Mahomes threw an interception on the first drive for the second straight week. And they just said, all right, just relax. We have 55 minutes to go and we're going to just wear this team down and Jimmy G was fine. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he had one Jimmy G pick, but he it's just a that was a terrible pick. Comes with the territory. Uh, in the end zone, Josh Williams, shout out to Fayetteville State rookie, made the made the interception. Great play by him, playing only because they had injuries in the secondary. That was a huge play. And you know, Chris McCaffrey came out and looked great, and his, I think he had twenty one touches. But again, I would point you to Jeff Wilson: seven rushes for fifty four yards, seven point seven yards per carry. Dude, McCaffrey's going to smash this offense. He looked good. He looks. He all look uh, just visually. Aesthetically, he looks awesome in a Niners uniform. My point is that Jeff Wilson's already in the roster, and he's averaging seven point seven yards per carry against this team. Right, we're not we're not going to have this whole Chris McCaffrey rehashing thing. Everybody, the comments I'm, rehashing. I'm just I'm just saying. Um, no, that was Thursday. God, I can't, I can't believe he came in and played. That's crazy that he came in and played. He landed on Friday. He only practiced once. Kyle Shanahan drew up a small package of plays, and he still got ten touches, which is amazing. Did you say tiny package. That you didn't did you I say, did not say that? I said a no. small package of plays. Is that, our, is that somebody else's podcast? That might be somebody. That might be 18. That might be around the, around the By the way, Clarence, you asked in the comments. Hey, the tiny package. Oh, oh. I knew it was here. God. There it crazy. is. Look at that. Billy had it at his fingertips. God. Billy had the tiny package at his fingertips. I'm sorry. Wait, what do you have, Breach? He had a small package of plays. Oh, my God. He had a tiny package. Um, hey, hold on one second. Clarence asked in the comments about Sky Moore's returner, and I didn't like grade him as a returner just as a, as a wide receiver, but he obviously muffed a, a punt early in the game uh, that led to some points. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people like Skymore's first round pick. I thought he was more of a, a day two guy. He went on day two and he's still learning this offense. He was going to come in right away and, and sort of replace Tyreek. They have my guy, Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, MVS for that. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time, I suppose. But, uh, oh, one more but thing. it also feels like Scott Andy Reid's forcing him out there to say, you know, like, oh, he's not really fitting in with the offense right now, and I don't want him, people to think we're wasting this traffic, and I, so I just want to get him on the field somehow and put him back and let him return punts, even though he's coming close to costing us games. So, I mean, it is Do weird. Do you think Andy Reid told him to muff the punt, too, just to make the game interesting? Well, did, uh, did Isaiah put, uh, I can't remember. He started, Pacheco. He did start, Pacheco started, right? Yeah, it didn't really. He I got eight matter. carries. Andy Reid said before the game, the Niners were the number one team against the run, um, in according to DVOA, the number one overall defense coming into this game. I mean, giving up forty four is a ton of points for them. But, but I, you know, I mean, it's, it's the most since uh, two thousand nine in a home game. But like, if you look at the scoring, I mean, it was twenty awesome 
awesome. Like you got Moss catch by George Kittle uh, to make it to cut it to 28, 23. And then the um, uh, Chiefs scored a, another Miko Hard- Hardman rushing touchdown. They sacked Jimmy G for a safety. And then Mahomes hit uh, Juju for a, a 31 yard touchdown. And like that, so I mean, like I'm not, I'm not making excuses. The Chiefs are all the Chiefs are awesome. I think the Niners are a really good team. And the Niners are, yeah, that's the why Niners, they traded for Christian McCaffrey, and that's why they have to get to the Super Bowl to to confirm I, that trade. Oh, the Niners are going to justify it. To justify, thank you. Uh, by the way, uh, on that safety by Jimmy Garoppolo, I will say this: I forgot that he ran out of bounds. I feel like Dan Orlovsky's going to own that no matter what. Like quarterbacks for the rest of the time can run out of bounds, and it always be Dan Orlovsky's. But I was wondering, you could see Trent Williams, and you just wonder if he was yelling, "Watch out!" because he got absolutely smashed by Frank, yeah, Clark. Frank Clark. Just tort. I mean, you don't. Yeah, you don't see Trent Williams get beat like that. And as Jimmy was going down, I heard him say, "This is why I ran out of bounds last time." <laughs> it's a courtesy laugh, but it was pretty funny. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I think I think both of these teams are okay. Uh, Josh Norris of Underdog, uh, friend of the pot, Josh Norris of Underdog Fantasy, <laughs> asked a good question on Twitter. Can you name six good NFL teams? The Bengals, Chiefs, Bills. Well, I mean, the Bills and the Chiefs are two for sure. Oh, I already said the Bengals. That's three. The Eagles. I think, Eagles. I think the Bengals count. You said the Eagles. The Eagles definitely count. That's four. So I would add the Niners to that, and I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think they're a good football team. I love that you just dumped a you dumped the Rams so hard. Like you, your prom date showed up. And yeah, I, were, I don't know. About I that. picked the Niners to make the Super Bowl last year, guys, and I picked them to win the division this year. How'd that work out for you? They didn't make the Super Bowl. Oh, and they're not winning the division right now. Oh, who lost the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> Oh, you have to make it to the Super Bowl to lose. That's not even an insult anymore. <laughs> I can't believe we'll I have to side with uh, Breach, There's like a bug crawling over your right shoulder. Oh, no. I'm not oh, no. Wait, that's a Bengals loser Super Bowl helmet. <laughs> so, oh, big, so vindictive. He got uh, me there. Like, and the Seahawks, by the way, Seahawks are a good team. Seahawks are better than the 49ers, by the way. The Seahawks can win the division. Wouldn't be crazy. I, I do, but I think the Niners are a, a good football team. Yeah, they're good. And, you know, we'll see how this whole thing works out that I won't talk about. Shout out National uh, National Tight End Day. George Kittle. <laughs> when did that happen? What did When did we know about that? This morning? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it started like two or three years ago. And you know what? They always have their tight end clinic in Nashville. Travis, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Mark Andrews celebra- celebrated it by not catching, not having one catch. That's sad. It was very sad. All right. He- Hates tight ends. Uh, I, I just think this is a it was a this is a, a closest game, and then the, the Chiefs pulled away late. Yeah, I agree by, with that by a lot. All right, Seahawks thirty-seven, Chargers twenty-three. This was not a closest game, or much of this game, I don't believe. It was close for a while, and then uh, it was ten points, and then it, it sort of got away from them. I mean, yeah, the uh, Seahawks were up seventeen nothing. Chargers cut it seventeen fourteen. Seahawks scored, yeah, yeah. This, I mean, the Seahawks answer the bell every time. And Gina Smith, man, I mean, Gina, what, what? Like, this is the best. This is the. It should be the biggest story of the 2022 NFL season. We're calling him E3. You mean E3? What's his name? Wait, wait, say his name, Ryan. Eugene Cyril Smith the third, or as E3. Lazy Breach calls it, E3. So you know, you mentioned Gino, and I, I love the story. I love that you know he says people wrote him off, and he's not writing back, and he has absolutely every right to say that. Um. <laughs> I think Mina Khan's mentioned on Twitter that Mark Sanchez, who called the game, was just couldn't get over how good Gino Smith was. Really He's um, like, I mean, this is crazy. 
But here's our, our buddy Michael Davis Smith of Pro Football Talk tweeted this out uh, during the course of this game. And it's you know, something about it. I wonder what Geno Smith's career would have been like if he had been drafted by a team with a stable coaching staff, offense coordinator who wanted to build a system around his skills, good offensive line receivers, etc. This doesn't feel like a fluke. And I think the takeaway for me from that comment is maybe Pete Carroll deserves an apology from at least me because I was like, a lot, this guy, a lot of people, this guy is ruining Russell Wilson. He's an idiot. He's 70 years old and he smiles all the time. He doesn't know what he's doing. He plays catch before the game. He's not serious. Maybe he knows what he's doing. And maybe Russ was the problem. And Gino's in a system now where Ken Walker, the third is balling out where the offensive line, they drafted two offensive linemen, one in the first round, one of the, I think got Abe Lucas in the third round that are really good. They got some good cornerbacks, Tariq Woolen, who has four interceptions and they, they are playing. Um, Nuosu not didn't come out of nowhere, but he's having a great season. Daryl Taylor's having a really good season and maybe a, a team that's, more quote unquote a team instead of a a brand and everyone else is the way to go about it. So I, kudos, I think kudos I, to Eugene. So I think like remember when the split with Ross, obviously the Marshawn, you know, the the Ross tries to pass and the, the slant the Super Bowl gets intercepted. I heard about that. Yeah, Super Bowl 49, you have a picture of it. Um I, I think that that helped like that created this rift of larger personalities. Like Richard Sherman had become a celebrity at that point. And, and I, I think that like Pete had to pick and he picked Russell. I don't know if he picked right. I mean, I, I don't think the defense was going to last forever because those guys were a little bit older and Russ is a franchise quarterback. So I think it's probably the right, it was the right move and they, they won a lot of games. Um, and then it may be the case that Pete Carroll made Pete Carroll and John Schneider. who's a hell of a GM. I mean, like a, like a great GM, and evaluating talent, it may be the case that they just realized that Russell, where he is as a person, as a personality, had outgrown the the com- always compete mantra. I mean, that's how Russell got the. I mean, we talked about this before, like the Matt Flynn stuff. He Pete Carroll believes in always competing, and he let Russell Wilson beat out Matt Flynn, gave him the job. I, I sort of wonder if this two thousand. And 22 draft with Charles Cross, Kenneth Walker, Abe Lucas, and, yep, Tariq Woolen, his group, Kobe Bryant. And I, I don't want to compare it directly to it, but sort of similar to the 2010 draft when they had two first round picks because of the uh, uh, Alfonso Smith trade with Josh McDaniels in, uh, in Denver. Who'd they and take in 2010 with those two picks? Russell Okung and Earl Thomas. Then they grabbed Ooh. Golden Tate in the second round. They also picked up Cam Chancellor in the fifth. And then the next year was the uh, they grabbed they had Carpenter in the first who was you know not like an elite offensive lineman but a key component to their their offense uh, Byron Maxwell Sherman in the fifth of course oh, Byron Maxwell yeah KJ Wright in the fourth and then the the big one was the 2012 with Bobby Wagner and Russ in the second and third Bruce Irvin was a better pick than a lot of people thought he would be and like Sweezy they turned in from a defensive tackle to an offensive lineman point being is like I sort of wonder if all kind of the like I did Pete Carroll and John Snyder get a little motivated to be like, all right, do you think we suck at our jobs? Well, let's show you. They had a couple of rough drafts. They had the, the you know, Rashad Penny struggled early on as a first round pick and he was doing well too. I heard this year. They drafted LJ Collier. He wasn't a first round talent. But those things happen. You miss. But to your point, you can read down the list of their draft picks slash accomplishments and, and more times than not, they're hitting home runs. A couple things to note DK Metcalf left on a cart. Um, Mike Williams had an ankle. X-rays, X-rays negative on DK. 
That's great. Mike Williams said he'll be back, but the ankle injury didn't look great. And J.C. Jackson looked to tear his ACL on what he had been benched already. He was having a terrible season. I'll go back to my turf comment. Please just put grass in these stadiums. It's so stupid. Like he was literally running down the field with the receiver. I think the um, was a touchdown in the end zone made by the the Chargers player. And I can't remember who it was, but it wasn't even anything nefarious. Uh, but anyway, I, I think the, the the larger story is how efficient Geno Smith is. Marquise Goodwin had Marquise Goodwin had two touchdowns. I mean, Ken Walker went crazy. Uh, just so much Ken to Walker's like about this. I mean, I, he's just a he's a running back. They they drafted him kind of high, but he's a he was a stud at Michigan yeah, he State. and Brees both won the second round, which is where we thought they would go. Do you think that this is like a less, much less sexy version of Carson Palmer getting paired up with uh, Bruce Arians, where it's just like the like what this veteran what you read, Ryan? Like, was it a Mina Kimes tweet or like for what? Was that the tweet where it's like you know what if he'd been drafted by this? It was just like oh that was that was MDS. Oh, it was Michael Davis Smith. Sorry, um, Brady and I talked about this. Pretty frequently, it's like and I try not. To, you know, it's like if Brady had been drafted by somebody else, not the Browns, like a team with a stable organization, good offensive line, good medical staff. Absolutely. You know, where does his career end up completely differently? And and that, there's a like there's a lot of cases like that. Now there are a lot of cases of like Jamarcus Russell. He wasn't going to win anywhere he went. Ryan Leaf, who well, now actually hosts a show, and he's actually really interesting to listen to because he can now reflect back on what he was doing and how things were crazy. But in the moment, he wasn't able to handle the situation. And to your point, Ooh. Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were about Jamarcus. I was like, I haven't seen that show. I'd watch that. Uh, no, no. Ryan Leaf is actually really good. He has a, has a podcast. Um, but um, Florio, and in response to MDS's tweet, said this. And I think it, this is, there's something to this. This is exactly why highly rated quarterbacks should consider refusing to sign with a team that drafts them. If that team has bad players, coaches, and owner, a horrible outcome in the first stop can completely derail or indefinitely delay a potentially promising career. And look, people crapped all over Eli Manning Eli for doing Man that. Yep. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, and he's going yep. to the Hall of Fame despite my <laughs> despite Ar my wishes. Archie Manning spent most of his life playing for the Ugh. team I think he grew up rooting for, the, the New Orleans Saints. They were never really good, and he knew – after Peyton came in, he knew you know he, he didn't want Peyton to go to the Chargers because he, he wanted he wanted Peyton to go to the Colts. He knew that the Chargers were not the spot you wanted to go to, and so he foisted the Chargers on my boy Philip Rivers by making Eli leave. Breach as a fan of a team that has been bad for long periods and never been relevant within really more than like three. And ownership months. has been called into question. What what do you think about the idea of? players taking their futures more into their own hands. You're muted. Oh my God. I think it would be, it would be, it's difficult to do that. You know, like the Mannings are the Mannings. They're a first family of football. They're a team that a family that can do that and pull off that kind of move. There aren't many people that have that kind of clout or that kind of power. And you risk that the team just doesn't agree and said, okay, fine. Sit out the entire year and lose a whole year of uh, exactly what the Bengals would do. <laughs> I mean, there are a bunch of teams that are petty and would absolutely do that. And yes, the Bengals probably would have been one of those teams they, in the past. You got to Carson Palmer like later in his career. <laughs> I mean, Carson Palmer did that. He said he didn't want to play for the Bengals, and the Bengals said, "Okay, go retire. You're not going to play for anyone." And then Josh Johnson or whoever got hurt for the Raiders, and the Raiders were desperate and needed pick. They said, "Was it?" It was in 2011. The Raiders quarterback got hurt. Yeah, Al Davis had died, and Hugh Jackson like authorized this insane trade for Carson Palmer. 
But again, so a team. Oh, it was, it was uh, Josh Campbell. Josh Campbell. Yeah. Jason, Jason. You're looking Jason at Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Campbell. So if you're if you're in this game of chicken with a team, you have to know the team's going to blink or you're going to lose and you have no leverage in this situation. So I don't think it's something right, adding this to a, a upon further review. I don't think I it's something that can happen a lot. But I thought the more surprising thing, it was just how bad the Chargers looked in this game. It was just they were making dumb mistake after dumb mistake. And the Chargers are like you're in college and you break up with someone and then you they say take me back i'm gonna change and you take them back and they don't change at all that's the chargers (laughs) like you think oh they're actually gonna be good this year nope they're just gonna fall on their face again and not be good or they finally will win a playoff game this year nope they're not gonna do it because they keep doing dumb things they keep charging it up uh as people have been known to say before the season i had to do an hq hit and they're like hey give us a reason why uh each afc west team won't win the super bowl i was like i replied i was like the Chargers are the Chargers. They're like, well, that's not an answer. I was like, have you seen the Chargers? Have you picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl three of the last 10 years? Because I bet you haven't. If you had, you'd know that they're idiots and they screw everything up no matter what they do. They're the Chargers. Right, Who's the, who the best team in the NFC West? I, I think the 49ers are the best team, but as I've been saying for three weeks, I think the Seahawks are a good bet. I think the Seahawks have that chemistry. I, I like. It's just weird what they have. What do you think the odds are right now? It's like 2012. You brought this up, Brendan. Now the seasons are similar. It's just 2011, like, 2010, 2011. Like, no, no, the, just the 2012 Seahawks period where when the Seahawks said they were starting a third round pick over this guy, Matt Flynn, they had just signed to a huge free agent contract. Everybody's like, are they dumb? They're throwing away the season. And then boom, they're in the playoffs uh, and went pretty far. So they lost to the Falcons. See, and so, well, I, I think it's more like 2010, 2011, where they're like, Pete's like, I can win with this type of guy, and he's just getting more out of Gino than he ever got out of Tavares or Matt Hasselbeck. Um, oh, Russell Wilson. All right, you can have, you have $100. You can only bet on one thing. Here are the odds that you can bet on. 49ers plus 130. Rams plus 160. Seahawks plus 550. Cardinals 8 to 1. It's 8 to 1. It should be 800 to 1. I'm taking the Seahawks all day. Seahawks are the bet I would make there, too. I am not betting on the Rams. I will tell you that. No. So it's either 49ers or Seahawks. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to bet on. Billy's in all caps. We got to move on. I'm going to bet on the coach and the quarterback that like each other and don't hate each other. What's next? But Pete Carlos is a good head coach. He's shoving everybody's face. Titans 19, Colts 10. Breach, did we sleep on the Titans? Uh, I think we all did. Did we all fall asleep this offseason? What happened? I don't know why everyone thought, including me, you know, I picked the Titans to win the division last year. This year, it just felt like they weren't going to, or maybe we just all bought into the Colts. I'm not sure. That's what that it was. was. I think that was the reason. But after what Tennessee has done this season has been nothing short of amazing. When it comes to getting his de- defense. Mike, Mike Vrabel's the most underrated coach in football. Mike Vrabel's absolutely one of the most underrated coaches in football. He is getting near... Uh, a Bill Belichick level as far as getting his defenses prepared to face a team where if I have one game to get a defense prepared and I don't have Belichick, which NFL coach would I pick? I might pick Brable because they are always ready to go. They're always shutting down the opposing offense and the way they play, you know, they're not going to win shootouts. They're not designed to win shootouts. They're designed to give the ball to Derrick Henry a bunch and then hope Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw three interceptions because they can overcome when he throws one interception or two interceptions. And so that's how they play. And the fact that that brand of football is somehow successful is like 1983 brand of football. And it works. And it works for Rabel. And it works for this team. 
And uh, now that they're in first place and have swept the Colts, it seems uh, like they almost have a lock on the division, and we're only seven weeks into the season. Uh, two things. Tannehill got banged up, and Malik Willis came in uh, for a uh, player two. And um, and then for some – this happens for as good as Mike Vrabel is. Every blue moon, he'll do something, pull some play out of his butt, and you're like, what are you doing? And one of those plays was in the fourth quarter where Tannehill took the snap, was supposed to hand the ball to Malik Willis in the end around, and they messed it up, and they lost the ball on a fumble. It was 16-7 to uh, with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter uh, at the plus 44-yard line. Like, as you mentioned, Breach, this team is about Derrick Henry. There's absolutely no reason to run an end around with your backup quarterback who has played about, you know, one and a half snaps. But other than that, it, they were pretty efficient. Matt Ryan continues to be a, an enigma. He threw a pick six early, had another interception. Michael Pittman fumbled late in the game to, to sort of wrap that thing up. Um, and I think we all did fall in love with with the idea of Matt Ryan doing what Carson Wentz wasn't able to do last year when, in reality, Matt Ryan – and Tom Brady, really, really no and Aaron Rodgers. Philip Rivers is the answer. Well, and real quick to Wilson's point, I'm sure after the game, Vrabel went up to uh, Todd Downing, the offense coordinator, and said, "Hey, bro, we don't do trick plays here. We run the football, and we it's play 1976. Yeah. That's we how do, we do, win games, man. So just we do, go we ahead. Do, we do we do hot chicken and football, bro. You pound. We do hot chicken and pound the ball, right? So you tear those plays out of your playbook, set them on fire, and uh, get ready for next week. I think it's I think it's worth noting that. Um, and uh, somebody uh, Moo in chat said that uh, um, basically Derrick Henry's yards per carry is not is not really high right now, but they sort of were easing him in 22, 28, and then 30 today. Like he looks like he he almost popped one at the end, but he sort of went down because he wanted to make sure that they, they could run the clock out. Um, three straight 100-yard games, 114, 102, and I believe 128 today. If you look at the schedule, I'm just telling you, get ready for next week. Think about prop betting. Think about uh, DFS. Derrick Henry gets the Houston Texans. Derrick Henry does horrific things to the Houston Texans by like by the splits, I believe. I'll just double check. Like, I mean, that, doesn't that seem like very like obvious? Like just anecdotally watching it the last few years, particularly at the end of the season. Nope. Okay. He has 10 games, 170 carries, 1,035 yards against the Texans, 6.1 yards per carry, and nine touchdowns. He averages 103.5 yards per game against the Texans. That includes games before he was actually getting reps. He is going to obliterate the Texans. You saw what Josh Jacobs did? Derrick Henry will be like 45% of DFS, and he will be worth it. Just tell you for next week. All right. And remember, this team's four and two, but they would have been uh, five and one. Not for the Giants' magic beans. If uh, old Randy Bullock didn't miss a 47-yard field goal on the final play of the game. In the AFC South, the Ravens 23, the Browns 20. Ravens are the 21st team in NFL history to hold a double-digit lead in their first seven games. The Ravens are 4-3 and three in those games. AFC North, but yes. AFC North, sorry. The rest of the, the other 20 teams were combined 135-5. and five. Which is wild. Why can't Wilson? Why can't the Ravens close games? Oh, they can when they're playing the Browns and they don't call stupid plays or as they tried to do last week, uh, go for it on fourth down when they don't they didn't need to go for it on fourth down because of the uh, the, the situation or in the previous the Bills game a few weeks prior where they threw a uh, went for the fourth down to an interception in the end zone the absolute thing you could do they avoided those things uh, against the 
the Ravens. And um, it was actually a close game. I felt like the Ravens outplayed the Browns for most of it. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Browns are actually up 10 to 3. And after that, it was a wrap. I know that. Um, Bart Brissett, Davis didn't catch a pass. Lamar had really no stat. Like, Brissett had some fumbles that were obviously costly. Um, let's see. I'm looking at my notes here. Lamar was 9 of 16 for 120. It's wild. Yes. It was was Justin Tucker and Gus Edwards, basically. That's right. Gus Edwards back from the ACL. He actually had a really good game, ran for 66 yards. Um, Patrick Patrick Queen looked awesome in this game, too. He's making making plays. Oh, okay. I'm I'm looking through the notes here. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Incredibly quickly. Uh, Breach, anything on this game? Uh, that uh, I feel sorry for the Browns. They wanted to uh, just try and stay the course until Deshaun Watson got back, and they have gone way off course, crashed their boat, and are now drowning in the water. So, Breach, I don't know if you saw this, but it was 2.09 on the clock. It was a three-point game, 23-20. The Ravens were leading. Uh, Brissett gets away from Justin Houston, gained six yards to set up what would have been a 56-yard attempt by Cade York, and the Browns pull the old false start trick. So now it's a 61-yard attempt. He still has to try it. He had made from 62 and warm-ups going in that direction, and someone got a hand on it and got blocked. That is an encapsulation of the Browns game and the Browns season. They have a chance to kick the game-tying field goal uh, for reasons that make them the Browns. They jump off sides, move back five yards. They still have to kick, yada, yada, yada. This team is two and five. So two and five. If you knew that at the start of the season, how would you feel as a Browns fan knowing that it was Jacoby Brissett's team and Deshaun Watson was still a few weeks away from coming back? Are you okay with two and five? Or are you are you upset? No, you feel terrible given the way given the way you started. No, no. Feel- Before the season, I say to you as a Browns fan, you're gonna be two and five with 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 Jacoby. I don't think you're happy because I think most Browns fans looking at the schedule thought they would be four and three out. Every Browns fan I talked to was thinking, oh, we can beat the Panthers. We can beat the Jets. We can beat the Steelers. We can beat the Falcons. Get to 4-0. We get to the rough part of our schedule. Maybe we win one of those games, and we can be 4-3 or 5-2. And, and, and so 2-5 and five is obviously not worst-case scenario because that would be 0-7, but this is pretty <laughs> close to worst-case scenario. Okay. Um, by the way, the Ravens had five sacks in this game. Looks like the pass rush getting a little bit better. I think that's important. Also, really quickly want to note before we move on to the next game, the Saints are two and five. The Eagles are holding their first round pick next year. The Browns are two and five. The Texans are holding their first round pick next year. They're one four and one, but they, that's good for them. And the Broncos are two and five. And the Seahawks are holding their first round pick next year. We've seen this a couple times in the last few years. This year, particularly, like a bunch of teams had two picks up high. We could see it again this coming year. And yet, teams still won't stop trading their future first-round picks. All right, Cowboys. lightning round. Two minutes, a, two minutes a game. Let's go. Hey, hey, you're the one who's like Googling stuff. I hate when people Google stuff on podcasts. Well, Cowboys Google, 24, Lions 3, Breach Bot 3,000. How did Dak look on his return? Breach Bot was impressed with Dak Prescott. I think if you're the Cowboys, all you wanted from Dak out of this game was don't get hurt, don't turn the ball over, and uh, don't look horrible. And he passed the smell test with all three of those things. They didn't ask him to do too much. They yeah, I think they ran the ball more than 30 times. So it's just like, you know, we're going to ease him in there. We'll give the ball to Zeke. We'll give the ball to Tony Pollard. Keep things easy on, Z- uh, on deck. You know, no interceptions. And you know what? 
the defense made his life easy. They made Jared Goff look dumb. They turned forced five turnovers yep. uh, and they, they did all the dirty work here. And so I felt like this was the perfect game to ease Dak Prescott back in, which is funny because Ed Werder reported that Dak basically handpicked this game as his return because he figured it was uh, the best game for him to return. Really? Which, I didn't you know, that. Wow. Read, read between the lines on that one. So yeah, it felt in the face to Dan Campbell. It felt like the game plan was the exact same game plan to have with Cooper Rush, and it looked to be the exact same in terms of results. You mentioned that Dak didn't do a whole lot. The defense did the heavy lifting, and Jerry Goff, Jerry Goff it up. I, I do wonder the Lions are going to have a high pick again. I wonder if they the Lions decide to move on from Jerry Goff. He's been pretty good up to this point, but it, it was tough to watch some of the throws he was making, the mistakes he was making in this game, um, and and Dan Campbell was so frustrated at points that he was actually throwing his head. So the Jamal Williams interception, at, uh, excuse me, the, the fumble of the goal line was, was not a high point for, for Dan Campbell's headset. Uh, uh, probably worth noting. So the Eagles, they obviously were getting blown out by, but stormed back through the back door. Commanders don't have a very good defense. Vikings are fine. Seahawks, not a great defense. Patriots and Cowboys, both top 10 by DVOA coming into this week. So when we're thinking about the Lions moving forward, let's remember that, they are maybe not great against good defenses, even with a good defensive line. They they could have covered in this game some late scores by the Cowboys. I, I think they will draft a quarterback, but I also think they know that Jared Goff is the bridge to make sure they get the right – like they don't want to have to force it because when you force it, mistakes happen. Next game. By the way, uh, five takeaways for the Cowboys. Most of the single games since 2013. Also five sacks, as I said. No DeAndre Swift pregame, and Amaron St. Brown left too. That didn't help. Jets 19, Broncos 9. This was an eyesore of a game. So here's my, not fun fact, but sort of uh, my feelings about this Jets team. This Jets team reminds me of the 2010 Jets team, also the last Jets team to start 5-2. and two. That team had Rex Ryan and second-year quarterback Mark Sanchez. That team was built around what? The running game and defense. And uh, let me see if I can scare up the notes here. Uh, here it is. So... The leading receivers on that 2010 team, first, tight end Dustin Keller. Second, wide receiver Braylon Edwards. Third, running back LaDainian Tomlinson. Just in this game for the Jets, in which Zach Wilson threw the ball 16, uh, completed 16 passes for 121. The leading receiver, running back Michael Carter. Second leading receiver, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, the rookie. And third leading receiver, tight end Tyler Conklin. Uh, Sauce Gardner is awesome. Quentin Williams is awesome. Uh, they have a lot of really good young defenders to go with some of the the, uh, the free agents they've signed, and that's going to be the recipe for this team. The difference, I think, is going to be Robert Sala is better than Rex Ryan, even though those 2010 Jets went to back-to-back AFC Championship games. This team feels better. The loss of Brees Hall, as uh, Brinson mentioned earlier, to what some folks are, are fearing are, is an ACL. That's a problem, so they'll have to, to get through that. Michael Carter is a good football player. He, he's not as big as Brees Hall, so... We'll see, but I think in terms of how this team is built, it feels a lot like the old Mark Sanchez. And by the way, heads up, Zach Wilson. Mark Sanchez lasted four seasons, and they drafted Geno Smith. So at some point, you got to start playing. It's still early in that process. He hasn't gotten there yet, but you, you can't sort of fumble your way through the entirety of your, your second year without there, be question, without there being questions uh, about your long-term status in New York. Hey, uh, by the way, if you're listening, still listening, smash the like button. Don't watch it. What are you doing? Smash it. If you haven't smashed it, hit the like button. There's a bone, man. Yeah. Real quick on the Broncos. This, this is going to be a stat that uh, basically sums up their season. There have only been 15 games this year where a team scored 19 or fewer points and won. 15. Five of those games have Ugh. involved the Broncos. Oh, my God. 
So a full one third of those games. Uh, obviously, they lost this one 16 to 9. They lost to the Seahawks 17 to 16. They lost to the Colts 12 to 9. They lost to the Chargers 19 to 16. And they actually won two of them with the 11 10 win over the 49ers, 16 9 win over the Texans. So it's just ridiculous. If if the if the Broncos had any just remotely good quarterback play, just competence at quarterback, this team would be good, but they don't. So they're not. I throw I've thrown the towel on them. On the uh, on the Broncos, the Broncos. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, Russ. Russ is still hey. better than whatever they had today. Uh, no, barely. I don't know about that. Arguably, arguably indeed. Is your Super Bowl winner, Breach? Yeah, that's what I just said. It's pants, a- take off the brawn, be a man. That's why it was big that I threw in the towel on him. This was all me. right. We got four I'm minutes for two teams. Let's go. There's one game left. Oh, just one. Well, it's two teams played one game. Okay, let's do it. Uh, we could probably like, we could probably do like a like a like ninety seconds of a tangent just see what happens. Like, well, I'm gonna hang up. And, I'm and, kidding. I'm kidding. We're gonna have to see the Raiders thirty six, Texans twenty. Josh Jacobs monster game, one hundred forty three yards on twenty carries, three rushing touchdowns. Joins Marcus Allen as the only Raiders player ever with three plus rushing touchdowns in a second half. Uh, Josh Jacobs was, I believe, I don't know, like fifty six. Maybe it was like forty six. Something in like the fifty percent own range of the Millie Maker, which has like two hundred thousand people or five million people. I don't know how many people are in it, but like he was, everyone was on him, and he delivered, and he cast. So did Kenneth Walker. You didn't have those two guys in Burrow Chase. You didn't make any money in DFS. And even if you had those guys, you might not have made any money anyway. Um, Texas Texans fought hard there and just sort of got worn out by Josh Jacobs. I I think the are the Raiders good? Yes. Is, Bill Parcells, you know, your trick says you're, but I think, I think Breach is right. I think the Raiders are better than we give them credit for. I think they're like bottom third, maybe 25th, according to DVO coming into this week. But a lot of that is probably on the defense side of the ball and the mistakes that Derek Carr is making early. But I'll just say this I, I don't have no issue with Derek Carr or Josh McDaniels. I think they'll be fine. The defense, they got to figure out. Chandler Jones has yet to register sack. Max Crosby is doing Max Crosby things. But after that, there, there are a lot of questions. Cleep Barrel had a half sack today, but he's, one of the the three first round picks from the previous regime that didn't get their options picked up, including Josh Jacobs. Uh, Jonathan Abram had eight tackles today. He's also in that in that conversation. But they need more from their pass rushers, which they haven't gotten. Oh, Chandler Jones got a half sack today, so he got his first half sack of the season. Um, but they have to figure out this thing out on defense because otherwise they're going to lose by fifty points every time they they play the Chiefs. And two quick things last week <laughs> on Josh Jacobs. Uh, uh, like Brenton said, went over one hundred and forty yards. This is the third time since 2010 that a running back has gone over 140 yards in three straight games. Uh, Derrick Henry in 2019, Adrian Peterson in 2012, Josh Jacobs this week. And the crazy thing about Josh Jacobs doing it is that Josh Jacobs had never gone over 140 yards in a game before the month of October. Now he has done it in three straight games. So he went from zero to now he cannot not do it. Uh, so, so Josh Jacobs and Daniel Jones are like like the examples of like why you should be like hey publicly loudly do not pick up a fifth year option and just see what happens. So uh, Breach and Brinson, David McNichols asks in the comments in his fair question, what in the world tells us the Raiders are a good team? <laughs> uh, I, I I didn't say that. I just asked. You them. said it, Breach. Pre- Breach is well, earlier today that the Raiders. So when you have, and this is the same thing that happens usually when you have a new coach. You know, you're, there's an adjustment period. I, I do think that they probably should have beaten the Cardinals. You're up 20 nothing. They blew that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not penalizing they, they them. That. They won I'm that not game. penalizing them for that loss. They 
probably could have beaten the Chiefs, even though it felt like going into that game, the Chiefs were the better team. I think we all thought the Chiefs were the better team. And the fact that uh, the Raiders went toe-to-toe with them. And you look at, they lost to the Titans. They missed a two-point conversion at the end. So there's just, they've had this trouble closing out games, but they're in every single game. And eventually, uh, unless you're last year's Vikings, those bounces eventually go your way. And right, so, here, here, here are the two win teams in the NFL. Tell me if there's any two wins or worse. Anybody you take over the Raiders, Raiders, Jaguars, Broncos, Browns, Steelers, Texans, Panthers, Bears, Saints, Lions. Maybe the Jags, but I would probably take the yeah, Raiders. It's probably, yeah, it's like yeah, it's cl- t- toss up with the Jags. I think. All right. I think. I, think, I mean, great show, everybody. All right, uh, Breach is winners and losers for his for his uh whatever. We'll tell him off air. He doesn't need to know. Somebody asked for him in the comments. Uh, winner. Fine pros. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any winners. I will say that uh, Gino Smith remains a winner. Oh, that's a good one. Joe Burrow's my winner. My loser, Kenny Pickett. What? Can't steal Joe Burrow. Uh, you can take uh, my loser's Tom Brady. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers loser too. So you need a winner, Breach. We'll be done here. Um, my winner was going to be Joe Burrow, but it's not. So it is going to be Brian Dable. Good one. All right. That's the show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Bye. For Breach, from Wilson, I'm Brinson. See you guys later. 